Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So welcome to church. It's great to see you. Um, it's great to just host you guys this morning in the presence of God. God is good. God is loving. God is powerful. There's such beauty in connecting with Him. And God is drawing us into a place in Him. God is actually speaking this time that some people can find him. Some people can be close to him. Some people can unlock his words. So let's rise up and let's read this particular scripture together. One, two, go. And he will, okay, let's do it together. One, two, go. And he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Do you believe this? Let's, can we read it again and mean it like as if this is such a decree that we are proclaiming? One, two, go. And he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up dead forever and the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Amen. Amen. If you are honest you will agree that there has been a covering cast like an iron heaven over many nations. If you are honest, you will agree that there has been oppression in the nations of the earth. If I, if, as I go around, I see how bound in chains many people are. And people are bound by different things. But the command from God stands and rings out from the Bible into eternity. That God will destroy the, the surface of the covering cast. Cast like cast concrete cast iron when you cast it's like you cannot penetrate above it it's like a lead God says he's going to break open that lead say amen, amen. and then the, that veil that has covered over all people he will swallow it up and what's the biggest one we are afraid of death God will arrest death and swallow it forever do you understand? Now, death itself, many who said cowards die many times before their death, but the valiant taste of death but once. Was it Mark Anthony who said that Julius Caesar? <laughs> I don't know, literature just enters my brain. But honestly, the fear of death is just as bad as death itself. Many people are not dead yet, but they live in perpetual fear that they are going to die. God will destroy the fear of death from your life in the name of Jesus. And the Lord will wipe away tears from all. How many faces? Are you included in among all? God will wipe away tears from all faces. 
the rebuke that which challenges his people that which oppresses his people he will take away from the all the earth this is the promise of God. And this, this is actually how God speaks about the end. That at the end of our journey, we win, we overcome, we crush the plans of the devil and we are made powerful. Say amen. amen. I wish you can stand with me all the way to the end of the message, but you may, you may sit down. Hallelujah. Topic of our message this morning is a read of guilt and shame. Read of guilt and shame. Getting rid of guilt and shame. If I may add one more, getting rid of fear, guilt, and shame. These three brothers walk hand in hand to destroy many lives. Fear, guilt, and shame. Get rid of it. But how do you get rid of it the right way? You know, how do you get rid of it the proper way? So that you're not getting rid of something you should be ashamed of, which actually you should be ashamed of. <laughs> That's not what it means. Like Nigerians who say, you know, get shame. They mean that your case is so bad that even though you're supposed to be ashamed, you feel no shame. You know that that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about crippling shame that pours into your life because you've been scandalized because what the expectations are over you have not come to pass. Shame by yourself, for yourself, that you pour into yourself about what you haven't achieved. Guilt that binds you that is that ties chains around your leg and around your neck that makes you to be unable to move forward with your life. So let's start from Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. When you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our trespasses, having canceled the debt ascribed to us in decrees that stood against us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having dis disarmed the powers and authority, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. God has finished work for you. That's what this scripture is more or less saying. I'm using Nigerian slangs now. Finished work. That's like God has gone and looked at the detail. God has gone and looked at the every broken detail and God has taken care of it. He disarmed principalities and powers. We who did not qualify, we were dead. We didn't even know. Yesterday I was reading a, a testimony from Tiffany on her story, Tiffany Montgomery, she was here. She said in 2015, she was saved by the Lord in her shower. Say she wasn't looking for God. She wasn't praying and say, God, come and save me. She wasn't looking for God. And she made many excuses and say, God did not care. God just went after her and said, you, I 
want you. How many of us know that that's how our lives are? We never wanted God, but God wanted us. We never knew him, but he knew us. Some of us were born into God. We were not looking for him. We were just born into God. Your parents just say, ooh, ooh. Before you even blink, they were saying, Jesus, hey, Jesus. This Jesus was the words we used to learn how to speak. Do you understand? Some of us were born into those kind of places where before you say any word, the word that the next word you learned was amen. Before you could say daddy, you say amen first. And by the time you are 10, you're already preaching everywhere. And by the time people are looking at you, there's already gospel all around you. And after a while, when you are 16, you finally say, ah, I'm finally free. After you're graduating from secondary school, you say like, 17, 18, I'm going to start uni. Now, I'm going to go to a university far, far away from my parents. <laughs> and you arrive at that university far, far away. You know, some of us went to University of Meduguri because we think like, that's like, like two hours by air from Lagos. My parents, even if they want to come, they will think twice. <laughs> Then you arrive in Medjugorje, but your mom kept praying. Lord, that my daughter, I know she's, she's going there because she wants to be rascally. I, I arrest her in the spirit. I send a moving basket in the spirit to cover her like a basket covers a local chicken. <laughs> I cover her. I just arrest her. And before you know what's happening, you join the fellowship and you are now the fellowship prayer leader. <laughs> it's like he's running after you. You graduate from university and said, okay, finally, I'm going to go and find a life. Find a life. I mean, and then you now look for spiritual words to qualify what you are, knowing that the hand of the Lord is heavy upon you. I mean, Daniel in Babylon, you begin to say all these things. I give money to the kingdom, my spiritual treasure. And God says, no, I want you. I want your life. You do everything to avoid that which was the calling upon your life. We didn't have a choice many times. He wanted us. He came for us. He finished the work before we were born. Some of us, he started from early. Some of you is halfway during the day that he came and say, Sisu, Muje, let's go. I'm not ready, Lord. No, we'll go. God, who loved us when we we're dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive in Christ. He caused us to come alive. He canceled everything that was a debt we owed. He canceled it. He crucified it upon the cross. He came back with victory and said, My God, you guys are victorious. You're victorious. 
You are victorious. Say amen. He made a public show of them. And some of you are on a particular kind of journey where you feel like, can I ever be this godly man? Can I ever be this godly woman? Can I ever come close to God? Can I be alive in the spirit? Can I pray in the spirit? Just like everybody else is praying. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, the hand of God is upon you. Yes, the word of God is buzzing from your spirit. Yes, the witness of God is alive in you. Yes. You can. Yes, you can. You can run after God. You can be like Christ. The fellowship of His Spirit can come alive in you. Hallelujah. Amen. So that's why you can actually declare this. So let this be a declaration. Say, declare it. And these are words I have given you. There are about four spiritual categories. Spiritual shame, disgrace and scandal, soul compromise and poverty. Declare that these things are not yours in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's declare this morning. Say, declare I am free from powerlessness. Make it your own. Just take it. Let's lift up your voice. I just give you a word. Say it out. I am free from power. Powerlessness. I am free from lacking utterance. I am free from divorce. I'm free from the shame of divorce. I'm free from the disgrace of infidelity. I'm free from a scattered soul syndrome. I'm free from emotional pain. I'm free from bankruptcy. I'm free from the power of bills. I'm free from spiritual shame. I'm free from disgrace and scandal. I'm free from, yes, from shame. I'm free from compromise. I'm free from poverty lift up your hands and say I am free God wants you free that's exactly the message of the kingdom that you are free that you are free that you are free that you are free I wish someone can scream out and say I'm free freedom was why Christ came you'll no more be bound by chains you'll no more be inhibited Freedom is why you came. Freedom is why you're here. Freedom is why he sent his son to come and work the work in your life. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let us not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Oh, I don't know what is holding you bound this morning. This is a good moment to pray and say, Lika Shonde Masa, Baliko Shenki Nasa, Ninka Zula Bariato, Mendi Zalabra Kusha, Linda Mostikayata, Imbasoli Brinosta, every last chain, every last impediment, every last obstacle. In the name of Jesus Christ, I release it. I release it. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free from seduction. I'm free from shame. I'm free from lack. I'm free from poverty. I'm free from lack of vision. I'm free from everything that inhibits me. I'm free from, from running around in circles. I'm free from repeat occurrences. I'm free in the name of Jesus. I will not repeat a cycle in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm free from emotional ruin. I'm free 
free from heartbreak. I'm free from pain. I'm free from divorce. Divorce has secreted poison in my heart. But today I'm free of it. I can build my life again by the power of God. He who removed the covering cast, he who broke the veil that covered the pole of the whole earth. Yes, you're releasing me today. I'm free in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, freedom, freedom, freedom. We're getting rid of shame. We're getting rid of disgrace. We're getting rid of fears in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That wiping out he spoke about in the scripture we read means to cancel exalifo exalifo is the word in Greek exalifo you know I'm not used to telling you this the Greek meaning of that but this was pretty significant it means to cancel like as if you stamp something how many of you have a company seal when you stamp the company seal it's not just a pen they actually those days they use wax to wax in the company seal now this is actually something to strike it out of the tablet. To strike it out, to blot it out. So this wiping is not small wiping. It's like actually concrete wiping out. To properly rub, to smear out, to completely remove, to obliterate totally from the previous state. So that when you see that thing, it's blotted out. There's nothing there written about you anymore. There's nothing written against your name anymore. You are not what you did in the past anymore. Why? Blotted out. Blotted out. Say blotted out. It's been wiped out. It's been wiped out. Say amen. Where does guilt come from? First of all, to understand this scripture, you have to go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 25. So can someone go to Genesis 2.25 for us before we go to Genesis 3.11? Hashendo mosia halim Hayanam balibra sto Ziyanam balibra nosta Did you find it? Genesis 2.25. Have you found it, Bobby? And they were both naked, the man and his wife. And we're not ashamed. We read this scripture for marriage. The man and his wife were naked and were not ashamed. But actually God was talking beyond that. Naked, in this case, was not meaning that they were not wearing clothes. Naked means that they were vulnerable. Totally open. And there was no shame. At the beginning, the man and woman God created were both vulnerable. Both open and they felt no shame. What could it be that made them to feel no shame? What was it that made them confident in their vulnerability? What kind of position of mindset did they have that made them, despite the fact that they had no clothes, it wasn't an issue? I thought I could preach with jacket all the way to the end. Alas, it's not for me. 
So, I've been to a small town in Sweden called Malmo. It's the last town in Sweden before you have the ocean going to Copenhagen, across over into Denmark. In that town, they have a nudist beach. A nudist beach is a place where people go to the beach naked. Of course, you're allowed clothes, you're allowed camera, you're allowed everything. So people go there. Some people go there to just feast their eyes. But I found in walking through that beach over and over again, because it was actually an access way into the city, that after five minutes of seeing all types of breasts, you discover that breast is not so holy after all. You see the big one, see the small one, see the flap one of the old woman, see all of them, they all of a sudden, that sexuality, gone. Do you guys understand that? That's for us guys. I don't know what you women look for when you look at men. Do you guys understand? Like, the intrigue of it is that we make it uh, uh Once that sugar, that compulsion, that energy is sapped out of it, all of a sudden it becomes what? Nothing. The man and the woman were both naked, but they don't have that kind of imagination. So that kind of imagination had no power on them. They were unashamed. This was a place where God started from at the beginning. It was shameless. Not the shameless of you don't shame, but you know it was like you never lived by shame. You never live by as if someone poured cold water on you. As if you are, as if the spotlight is on you. As if all of a sudden they are embarrassing you. As if you are being put on the spot. The power of that is taken out. Once you are both naked, once you are naked with a friend and you are unashamed, once you connect to someone at a point where it's beyond, do you know you can have friends? So, I'll give you an example. One night, Sisu and I had to go and rescue a woman who was beside herself. So they called me, and Sisu was living on that near that area. So I said to Sisu, let's go and do it. So he went in the middle of the night, like 1 a.m., 12, 1 a.m., something like that. I don't think that woman was properly dressed. I don't think you were asking her, have you worn your bra or anything like that. The problem at that time is bigger than whether she was naked or wearing clothes. Whatever the case, he fetched her. Talk, 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 negotiated and got her out from that place to a hospital that night. There are times, so is it, do, do you guys understand that some, some, there, are, there are levels beyond naked and dressed and there are levels beyond, I'm, I'm trying to get you guys there. The Bible says that they were all vulnerable at the beginning and they felt no shame. This is actually the man God created. That's the perfect picture of the man God created. So then in the very next chapter, we read this story. I heard your voice in the garden, he replied. And I was afraid because I 
was naked. So I hid myself. You know what God said? Who told you? You are naked. Who told you you should be ashamed? Who taught you how to be afraid? Ask the Lord God, have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Where does shame and fear comes from? From eating the tree that we're not supposed to eat. This is the origin of shame. We touch something we're not supposed to touch. We go to a place we're not supposed to go. We interface something we're not supposed to interface with. And it introduces a different gene into our DNA. It introduces a different gene into our DNA. Do you know that the biggest problem of today's Christianity is not Christians, it's not unbelievers, it's actually Christians who are not really Christians because there's, there's a diluted DNA, DNA of God on the inside of them. It's actually about Christians who have not really fully yielded themselves to God. And Paul began to say, my literature of whom I travail until Christ be formed in you. Hallelujah. They were ashamed. But each one is tempted by his own evil desires. He's lured away and enticed. Then after desire has been conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. God was saying in the verse before this, I tempt no man. Let no man when he's tempted say it is God who is tempting him. We are tempted by what? Yeah, the things we like. God calls them evil, but we don't call them evil. We are tempted by desires. We are tempted by desires. And the desires now become a lure and an enticement for us. That's why I get the example of the nudist beach. The power of it was not there. So you don't see like you're going to go onto any one of those people lying down. Men with their fried private parts lying down there. Women, you don't see nothing. After a while of seeing a sea, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, it becomes what? Nothing to you. There's no lure. But in this particular place, once the desire comes, then the lure comes. Have you noticed when friends try to get you into sin, what do they do? Entice. Stoke for the desire. Have you ever seen gaslighting men? Men who actually are trying to solicit sex from you, but they're acting like they're not soliciting. Guess what they do? They start by suggesting something sexual in the conversation and see how you react to it. They start by bringing you to the table somehow. They start by showing you a naked picture. Just to stare up to see whether there is any desire on the inside of you. And once they see that there is desire, they take it to the next level of the lure. The enticement. You know you can have this. You know this can be yours. Remember the temptation of Jesus Christ. If you be the son of God, jump down. What was that? Power. Show like you are Mr. Big Stuff. Jump down. He will give his angels charge over you. <laughs> That's not what the power of God was for. It wasn't for us to be jumping down around the place. Do you guys understand? 
That's not the power it's for. The power is that you're in a place where the only way to come out alive is to jump. When you jump, he will give his angels charge. It's not for you to go and be tempting God, jumping, going to kill Manjaro and saying, I'm going to jump. By the time you get asphyxiated by the fact that you, you can't breathe, you'll be shocked that he didn't give his angels actually charge over you. Because that's, that's not the function of this scripture. You are lured by what you want. You are lured by power. I see many believers, the reason why they choose some churches they go to is because the church has all the GMs of a particular bank. So if you want to work in that bank, go to this church, you get a job. I see how many believers sometimes, why they go to a particular church is because the pastor has charisma. They love how the pastor dresses up. So today I tried to dress up like one of those pastors. But halfway during the sermon, it did not work. I had to throw away the jacket. It's not me. So sometimes, some people like prose and poetry and alliteration. He will turn your pain into purples. He will turn your bitter into better. He will turn your... Uh, I don't know how to do it. And we love it. You know how when you arrive in GST 101 in university and the teachers are speaking big English, the teachers say anything, we just say, hey! We don't have to know what he's saying. <laughs> We're just excited by the big English. How many of you know Honorable Patrick? <laughs> People use him for entertainment. Just <laughs> and they even make scratch CDs from this. <laughs> we are lured. We are tempted. We are drawn in. And then we arrive at sin. Once we arrive at sin, what happens is that the power the power of the devil has finally caught in with us. And the same devil who slipped us all the way to the point of sin turns on us at that time and begins to do what? Lead us to death. Before death, there are some things that happen. I will show you what happens before we arrive at death. Hallelujah. See, I am free. Say, I am free. And guess what? This does not, this is not for unbelievers alone. Even for believers who are tempted every day. Jesus taught his disciples to say, to pray. And he said to them, pray to God to lead us not into temptation. Which means that you can be tempted. You can still be tempted. No matter how high. The Bible says, let him that thinks he stand, take heed lest he fall. You can still be tempted. You can still be pushed. You can still be drawn. You can still be seduced. So here is how the devil uses shame to break us. This is the start. This is the process. This is the action. So this is actually the PowerPoint that summarizes the message this morning. The devil starts out by giving you a, an opportunity for you to sin. This 
level here is sin. That is the trauma. Sin is the damage. So when the Bible says be angry but sin not, he was saying this thing is going to cost you trouble. It's going to cost you trauma. When the Bible says marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled, it means like if you break this thing, it's going to cost you what? Trauma. It's a trigger for many other things. Why is sin evil before God? Because it begins a chain of activity that the devil wants to use to chain you. So God begins to speak over us. Don't start it because once you start it, the next thing, the very next thing is you start what? Keeping to yourself. That's the first, the first thing you do. You start to try to hide. We saw it in, in Genesis. Then the next thing, you start suspecting, who knows what I've done? <laughs> you start suspecting others. And then, after suspicion for a while, suspicion leads to numbness. You feel like, I don't care. I don't care. Whoever knows, too bad. Am I, am I the only one? How, how many of you heard, are, are we the worst sinner? Have you heard that? Once you hear it, just know that a person is not journeying right. Okay. Then, the next thing is hiding. That's actually the same as keeping to so, Numbness makes you to now create a system of hiding, reducing your going out, reducing your everything. And then the, the next thing is your mind begins to create stories. The devil has an, a machinery that he uses. And after the stories, you start hearing people say, I don't need anyone. Have you heard people say that? I can tell you that's absolute rubbish. It's, it's the most stupid thing ever to say that you don't need anyone. Me, I don't know about you guys. I need people. I need my wife to have mercy on me. I need my daughters to be a father. I need them more than they need me. They complete me somehow. As they came out of me, it seemed like as if part of me were distributed and I can see like, I need them. So guess what? I beg them to be of good behavior. I don't only command them. Sometimes it's begging. I need blessing to feed me. So... I was coming back from a meeting at 12.30 yesterday in the, in the night, but I was so hungry because I hadn't eaten the lunch they gave me at the beach. So I called, bless him, bless him, please, can you wake up? I was begging. All of you who, need, who don't need anybody, how do you survive? You need someone. But guess what? Where is that from? The trauma. When you are reacting like that, just know that you are reacting to what? Trauma. Then, you start avoiding. All of this is hiding. Then, blaming. The next thing you do is start blaming people. And then, you start getting angry at anyone who points to anything that looks like what you did. And then, from anger comes bitterness. And bitterness produces fear. It's like a lot of these things are working in you one after the other. 
And before you know what's happening, you enter into futility. Now the devil is going for the, for the kill. By the time you get into futility, futility is extremely like you don't know what to do. You're futile. Then, deep darkness comes upon you. And depression. For many people, they get into self-harm. Don't forget, this is the entire chain. Some of us will catch ourselves early at the time of keeping to self. You get someone picking up a phone and calling you and say, hey, how are you doing? And all of a sudden, boom, you release. The release of what God wants to do is in the fellowship of the brothers. If the devil wants to harm you, the devil's biggest tool is isolation. It locks you away. You have one reason to be angry, to be bitter. You, you feel like people don't care about you, but the Bible says if any one of you is sick, call for the elders of the church. Call a brother. Arm yourself. Equip yourself with the helpers that you need to stir you up in prayer. Check your friends to see the ones who can go with you into, into word study where you can act, who can pour into you. This is not the kind of gospel people want to hear from church anymore. We want to hear encouragement. You can make it. You can be it. Don't let no one tell you you can't. You see, when I was young, I went through many difficulties. But now, see me now. This is the goodness of the Lord. You can do it. If I, who was nobody, can do it, so can you. Just motivation. And motivation is great. But it's just that it's not enough. You need the power of God to break the trauma. You need the power of God to deliver you from this daisy wheel the devil uses to chain people. Because in the end, what the devil is planning is death. The Bible says sin, when he has had his own process, eventually leads to what? Death. And guess what the devil uses? Shame. Hallelujah. Let's get on the road to recovery. How do you reverse the curse of shame? How do you turn back guilt? How do you turn it around? Number one, love. Let's read this together. One, two, go. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Next, let's read it again. Such love has no fear because Perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. If you know how much God loves you, if you know what God will do to redeem you, if you know that God cares about you, if you understand the depth of the river of the love of God, you will not stay back in shame. You will not stay back in guilt. You will not stay back in that place where the devil wants you to be. You will not stay back bound by the events of the past. You will release it immediately. You will release the trauma and step into light. Love 
drives out fear. Love drives out fear. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 and I want us to read this again together. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There is an outpouring of the love of God today. Say amen. There is an infilling of the love of God today. Say amen. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Because of how much God loves you, He doesn't want to remain, doesn't want you to remain in shame or fear. He doesn't want you to remain there. God wants you to be released from fear. Love. Another scripture says, hope never disappoints. Hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame. Hoping in God will never make you to be ashamed. Why? Because God loves you. Say amen. He loves me. I cannot say why. He loves me. I cannot say why. On Calvary Street, He suffered for me. He loves me. I cannot say why. God loves you. Say amen. Thank you for your love, oh God. Love drives out shame. Love drives out fear. Love drives out everything. Number two, never romanticize with what God hates. Never make peace with what God doesn't like. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, and he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For God's seed remained in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Another translation says, does not make a habit of continuing in sin. Whoever is born of God does not continue to continue in sin. And that's actually what the devil wants to make you do. That after you've given your life to Christ, there will be pet peeves. There will be besetting sins. And all the fancy names we call those sins. Don't romanticize with what God hates. Don't romanticize with what God hates. That is actually how to avoid shame. You know, we actually try to cut off shame only when we've done the deed. You see a young, young, well, we use girls because men cannot get pregnant. You see a boy 18 and a girl 18, they both have an affair. Of course, who carries it? The girl gets pregnant, right? And when she gets pregnant, she's totally a good girl. That's why she doesn't even know what to do to not get pregnant. It's a mistake. What does the devil do next? Shame. Then she begins to hide herself. Shame is so much that she cannot go to school Many young women drop out of school. 
Do you know the power of that? You, do you guys, how many of you understand the power of that shame? You have to experience it. You guys understand. You have to experience that shame to know how painful it is. I don't know about you guys, but this particular one happened to me. Think about your shame accounts. This particular one happened to me. You know when all your class in secondary school go to uni and you fail jam? Let's have some confession service here. How many of you are guilty of that? It happened to me. You know, I used to tell you guys, I'm not one of the parents who took first in school. My daughters are doing it now, but it wasn't me. This cutoff score for jam for Benway State was 220. I never got up to 200. I wrote jam the first year, 190. Second year, 195. <laughs> Head year 198. <laughs> At least I wasn't going back. <laughs> Shame. You see your classmate. And I became a bus conductor in Makodi. Yeah, I was a bus conductor before. Oh, like I have so many stories I can tell you. The most shameful day was one day the prettiest girl in my class entered my bus. <laughs> oh, Moses, is this you? Hey, I'm so sorry. She added five naira on top of the bed. <laughs> I died, I died, I died. <laughs> you guys don't know shame, some of you don't know. <laughs> when we get into extreme shame, it makes us do things. It makes us do things. And that's low-level shame compared, but for a teenager, that was everything. That's all my world. That's my, all my reputation shattered. When you delay to go to school, not because, and I still had five credits, but I couldn't just cross the jam barrier. One professor had to have mercy on me, and that's how I got to read philosophy. Added me to the dean's list. I got into university through the back door, through long leg. I couldn't pass by that third year. I knew that, oh God, I don't have another year. <laughs> I went to, it was me looking for the commissioners in my state who could, who could extend a, a hand of fellowship. My dad was not interested. You don't know it, you don't know it. You're a door. Go and study, play too much. The hard man. Please don't be parents like that. Eh? Well, somehow I still put pressure on my daughters now. 
See, you have it in you. But I, I inverted into a positive inspiration. And God said to speak to me about my children. All of them will be on top of their class. And as I spoke it over them, I said, you have it in you. It started happening. It's coming out straight A's. A few B's, all A's. Averages of 3.8 GPA, 3.9 over 4.0, like hot in their class. Shame will bind you. And the key is when you start playing with what God hates. It's one thing to struggle with feelings towards the same sex and say, I am a, uh, I am gay as a guy. That's one thing I can't understand though. Like I can look at a man and say, I love them. Like, it can never happen. For all the women and the beauties in this world, I'll choose another man. I don't get it. But for you to say that this is how you are born, all of a sudden you are now giving the blame to God. Never romanticize with what God did not make. Let's go. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The Bible says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is lying at the door. He wants to have you, but you must overcome sin. Say, I must overcome sin. Say it again, I must overcome sin. You can defeat shame. You can defeat sin. You can defeat the plan of the devil over your life. You can defeat that lie that you cannot do better than you're doing. You can become stronger in faith. You can become stronger in the spirit. You can overcome shame by not romanticizing with what God hates. Hate what God hates and you will see the power of God release into your life. Say amen. Number three, gratitude. Sing unto the Lord a new song, for he has done wonders. His right hand and holy arm have gained him victory. The Lord has proclaimed his salvation and revealed his righteousness to the nations. Many, oh Lord, my God, are your wonders which you've done and the plans you have for us. None can compare with you. If I had proclaimed and declared them, they are more than I can count. When you get into a position of gratitude, guess what? It takes away shame. It takes away guilt. It takes away fear. Being grateful works a mighty work in your spirit. So I just want someone here to be grateful to God. If you can give the Lord a wave offering this morning and say, Lord, my God, I worship you. I give you the praise. I wipe out every handwriting, every token that is written against me, every proclamation that speaks against me. I crucify it. I nail it to the cross in the name of Jesus Christ. I receive the power of liberty in the spirit. I receive the power of liberty in the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. I will declare that you are the only God. I will proclaim your wonders in all the earth. 
sing unto the Lord a new song. For he has done his wonders. His right hand and holy arm have given him the victory. The Lord has given his salvation and revealed his righteousness to the nations. I thank you, Lord, my God. I bless you, Lord, my redeemer. I worship you, my God. I honor you, your new song. Sing a new song this morning. Thank you, Lord God. Because of who you are, I will lift my voice and say, Lord, I worship you because of who you are. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I worship you because of who you are sing it again lord i worship you lord i worship you because of who you are and when you begin to sing what happens is that your heart moves away from shame you're no more looking at yourself you're looking at the holiness of god you're looking at the beauty of god do you know what makes us ashamed men opinions of men what people think about us matters so much to us. Set your eyes upon Jesus and the words of men will fall off your back like water off the back of a duckling. Set your eyes upon Jesus. The old, old hymn writer says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely deep. In the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes to the hillside. Turn your eyes to the mountain. Look up beyond the shame. Look up beyond the trauma. Look up beyond what people talk about you. Look up beyond your joblessness. Look up beyond the things that hold you bound. Be grateful for the things you have. Be grateful for what God has done. Remember his goodness. Remember the accidents he saved you from. Remember the brokenness he brought you through. Remember the things that God has done in your life. Think about the goodness of the Lord. When I think about your goodness, it just makes me want to jump. Thank you, Lord, because of who you are. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. One of the ways to wipe out shame is gratitude. Hallelujah. The final one, vulnerable to the word. We go back to the scripture we began with. And the man and the woman were both naked and they were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. They were vulnerable with the word of God. They were vulnerable with the purpose of God. You know, we use that for nakedness in marriage, but it's much more. It was at the creation story. In Genesis chapter 2, when God talks about finishing making man, man named the animals, man did this work, God created man, added man to, added, added a woman to, to man, made a woman, and then he says he blessed them together and asked them to multiply, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, he began to put them together. Therefore, a man shall leave his wife and cleave, leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And then he now said, and the man and his wife were both naked but not ashamed. 
Shame doesn't come from nakedness. Shame came from what caused our impression of what nakedness is. That's why I have to tell you guys the story of Malmo. Shame comes from the idea that we have that what this thing is wrong. Shame comes from the knowledge that God didn't want man to have. Now, that knowledge was carnal knowledge. It was the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. That's where shame comes from. Shame comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Once they ate that tree, they were fearful, they were guilty, they were ashamed. You want to wipe out shame, open yourself to the word of God. The Bible says, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty, him not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word will be blessed by the word. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. Workman that needs not to be ashamed. Shame comes from not being able to properly apply the word of God in your life. Shame comes from holding on to the voices of men more than you hold on to the voice of God. Because God never pours shame on his children. The idea of God is not to pour shame on you. That scandal broke. In fact, if you have shame, God wants you to bring your shame to him. You were corrupt. You stole money from the bank and then they outed you. And the scandal broke and everybody now knows. Oh, no, Chicago. <laughs> and you go home and cry. I know people who went to divorce. And guess what? See, the thing about divorce, you cannot quantify the amount of sorrow many times. It's actually the sorrow of the fact that I thought this was, this was it. I thought this was it. And then you go in and discover it's a mess. And then you opt out. Many times people just quickly opt out very easily. Not even some people try to fix it a bit, then opt out. But then, the fact that you opt out doesn't mean that it becomes easier. That's actually the beginning of a whole journey. A friend of mine was having a divorce and I said to her, see, be ready for the blogs because your husband is popular, you two are popular. Be ready for the blogs. That's the one that actually brings a lot of. When they publish in the newspaper that you have an affair, and that this is the reason why this and this is happening. When the publishing is that your husband. Now, it's not like you're going to go, you cannot go to the court of public opinion and say, guys, is it a lie? Nobody will believe you. So I said, prepare for that pain. That one is coming. That one, I can see it coming. The day it happened, my phone rang. You guys understand the amount of pain that causes and shame and fear like who can I trust who will be with me God wants to get rid of that one of the ways is his word 
So 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of the Lord are being transformed into this image with intensifying glory which comes from the Lord who is that spirit. As we begin to behold the Lord, as we begin to behold God, glory begins to be released in us. Say amen. Behold God. The devil will come to you again today after today's message. Whenever you hear a word, the devil comes to test you for the word. And when he comes, it will be with another wave of shame. Can you believe this morning when I woke up, I knelt down to pray before coming to church. Guess what the devil told me? Is, any, is anybody really hearing this message you're preaching? Are you not a pastor? Shouldn't you be more than this now? Why are you insisting on this dogged, truthful gospel that builds people? Can't you see? Scatter your seed. Why? This morning, oh. Then he now goes, you should be ashamed of yourself. Once he said that, I knew that. That's not God. The Lord is that spirit. The Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You cannot be bound by chains anymore. You cannot be bound by habits anymore. You cannot be bound by disgrace anymore. The Lord is that spirit. He stirs up something through his word in you. And his word comes to fertilize you. He breaks the barriers of shame. He breaks it. Come out from shame. Come out from guilt. Come out from disgrace. In the name of Jesus. Come out. Come out. Come out. Be vulnerable again to the word of God. We all who behold the word of God with an intensifying gaze are transformed into the image of God from glory to glory as by the spirit of the Lord and they looked on him and they were not ashamed and their countenance was lightened as we behold him there is a staring on the inside of us as we read the word there is a power lit on the inside of us receive your healing receive restoration from that trauma receive the power of god receive restoration of your soul i speak over your soul that your soul is mended your soul is mended in the name of jesus be vulnerable to the word of god and a life will flow out of you. Lift up your voice. Let's pray in the spirit. Arika nambo shaboli bradosta. 
Inkwazute Bashalem Barukaya. Hey Shalom Arisada Boshena. Minda Sakatoba Shalabronde. Yekashada Bolibrados de Yandamo. See, I'm rising up from the bed of shame. I'm rising up from the seat of guilt. Say it out, say, I'm rising up. I'm no more guilty. Say, I've been forgiven. Say, I've been restored. Say, my soul is well. Say, my soul is healed. Say, I am restored. I'm no more guilty. I've been acquitted. I've been set free. I'm no more full of shame. I'm no more full of guilt. There is a new grace on the inside of me. There's a release. I behold your word. I behold your word. Heal me and I shall be healed. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Restore me. Restore me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, oh God. Restore a righteous spirit within me. And I shall teach sinners your way. And I shall teach transgressors your law. Renew me, my God. Renew me, my Father. Make me white as snow. Reject shame. Reject shame. Say I reject shame. Say I defeat shame. Say I walk in the spirit. Say I reject shame. Say I defeat shame. Say I'm walking in the spirit. I'm walking in the spirit. I'm walking in the spirit. Can you stand up and walk? Take, let's let's activate this thing this morning. Walk around here. Walk around this hall. Walk away from your chair. Walk to the chair. I'm walking in the spirit. Say, I'm walking in the spirit. Walk around. March around. Lift up your voice. Say, I'm walking in the spirit. Say, I'm walking in the spirit. Say, I'm walking in the spirit. I'm walking in the spirit. I'm walking in the spirit. I'm marching in the spirit. I'm marching in the spirit. Like Rosheka Lima Sunday. Menka Shite, my love, La Cosheco Libre in Ostama Nambo. Menka Sheco Libra Cusa. I walk in power. I walk in victory. I walk in favor. I know who I am. I know who I am. I'm walking in power. I'm walking in victory. 
I'm walking in strength. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 